Okay, theme song in three, two, one. to the constitutionals podcast i'm your host chad white if you didn't know this is the premier podcast for the website cpluscomedy.com like i just said it's a website go there uh i don't know if i'm, I'm probably gonna keep it in because well who knows who knows if if, uh, if it came through but uh the episode this is episode 212 i think i think you know jesus yeah it's 212 and i'm sitting here i'm a i'm sending a text message so i can just have that in my mind and uh responding to a text message and so i have that in my mind and I'm about to record. The show's already recording. I've been recording for a minute. And then I hear a woman's voice say something like, like, like as if she was directly next to me. Uh, I, I quickly realized the microphone picked it up from my, 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 uh, my apartment wall. My, that's the front door right there behind me. And uh, obviously this is the hallway. And it was like she was right next to me. <laughs> It was like she leaned over my. She, this is how you know I, I don't. I need some human contact. She was leaning over my side and went. I do, I do. <laughs> and then, and then my 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 initial thought. I'm not kidding. Was Nova came out here and learned to talk? <laughs> she was. <laughs> I'm not joking. But she she said like she did something. She said something. And, uh, no, it just turned out to be a human woman. Uh, <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay, welcome to Eleven Constitutional's podcast, premier podcast. If you didn't know, for the website cpluscomedy.com, like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Two weeks in a row, we're back. <laughs> Not usually. Well, it means the summertime. I, you know, I've been thinking about this um, to, for for no benefit at all. But Myers, Seth Myers, and Jimmy Fallon are on break, and uh, Corden's on vacation for the rest of the summer. Uh, Kimmel's gone for the rest of the summer, um, and uh, Colbert, I guess I don't know, I don't know if he's there, you know, where. And uh, Sam B is off right now, and who else? Who else? Bill Maher is coming back. Also, I forgot about Bill Maher in that late night report card. I don't really watch Bill Maher, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> there's my, there's, there's him. Uh, there's him. And who am I forgetting? Oh, John Oliver. He, he is, he's back. You know, he's only doing weekly shows. And Desus and Mero are back as well after being gone for like what two and a half months at the top of the, but like at the end of spring. And it's uh, it's hard it's hard to you know I understand why they're gone uh, well especially the NBC shows is because they a need vacation but b the Olympics and then for everybody else c there's just really no news so it's it's it's, it's interesting to have the late night shows be gone um, you know Desus and Merrill really don't need news <laughs> they can, they just comment on stuff that happens on the internet uh, and I'm, I've been watching a lot of their old clips lately and. And uh, it just showed they're just they're just really good, really funny guys. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, should be told uh, when when I was watching them when I first started out on Vice, I never watched them on Complex or anything. But when they started out on Vice, I always thought, well, if they want to be, you know, uh, Desus Nice always says number one show in late night. Well, I go, well, you can't really consider it late night. Uh, a, it's <laughs> first things first. It's on it's on Vice Viceland, but. Uh, for them, like I always thought, they did have the guests. They had great guests and everything. But I always thought for them to be better at late night, they'd have to uh, do do some type of comedy. But just they're just funny guys. They're just like like I, I like I'm all, the the comedy snob in me, which I'm no longer a comedy snob because uh, it's all stupid and subjective. But uh, speaking, of, oh, I got a story for you lately. I got a story for you. Uh, but I, I always like I you know ignorantly when I first watched them, I always thought, yeah, these guys are great and funny, and they remind me of my friends. But uh, they they need to go to you know they need to take some improv classes and do this and that. No, I mean no, they're just they're just naturally funny guys. That's they're in New York funny. You know they're they're uh, yeah they're just conversationally funny and they they're good at what they do. Now I just hinted at it. <laughs> I uh, I don't want to get too into the logistics of it, but I did do I, I was I did I did I did this little competition competition this little um, thing on uh, the blacklist, which is a website where uh, screenwriters can 
you know, post their scripts and have them be evaluated for payment. But I got like a little tiny scholarship so I could get a free evaluation because I uh, dare not pay $70, which is an entire week's worth of groceries. I'm not doing that uh, for somebody to read my script and tell me they didn't like it. So I did this little thing and I got a free evaluation and I got it back. First of all, it was late. Uh, second, I got it back and uh, they gave it a four out of 10, <laughs> this person. Um, they gave the overall four out of 10. They gave the plot a three, which I think it's a great plot. They gave the premise a six, which uh, I'm fine with. Character, dialogue, and setting, just all just a very, very low scores. Um, and the the thing is, <laughs> it they I think they might not have read all of the curse words in it. It's a lot of cursing. It's an R-rated movie. And they called it uh, a family comedy which it is not. And they rewrote the log line. I'm not saying I disagree with everything, but I just want to, I just want to get at the things that, cause there's a lot of stuff I agree with. Like they say it's too long and it is extremely long. It's way too long for a comedy. Um, but a lot of it's like montages. Like there's three montages in there. But the thing is, uh, they rewrote the log line and it's basically the last third of the movie, the log line. I don't think, because, the, the, and, and you know, I like a good story. So my story starts as soon as possible. You know the premise. You know the thesis statement of everything. And they rewrote the log line, and it uh, it's something, the log line is something that happens, I would say, halfway, maybe like two-thirds into the movie. And then they're talking about, oh, the theme is family. And like I don't know if it's really family. It's just, a, it's like a bunch of jokes. I mean, it, you know, more or less, it is about family. But, uh, and it's not, it's not heartfelt. <laughs> the the comedy is definitely heartfelt. I don't think it's very heartfelt. It's just a bunch of R-rated jokes strung together with some story. Um, say it's more about the, it's more about the father than it is about, uh, than it is about the relationship between him and his wife. No, that's, that's very wrong. Uh, the best friend, the friendship between the main character and, uh, his coworker uh, also shows another side of his character. That is completely incorrect. Cause that's his friend is barely in the script. <laughs> He's in it for like, like just bouncing ideas off of I So anyway, I you know, it's it's nice to have this to have gotten this uh, evaluation and everything, uh, and obviously this person doesn't have to be right, and I can disagree, and other people can disagree as well. I can give this to somebody else, and they can say, oh, it's you know, it's better than that. Uh, <laughs> but it's so interesting to see someone else's take on it, and that's my first experience with Blacklist, uh, except for one time, a guy, like three years ago, maybe reached out to me as a producer of a bunch of, uh, you know, A-list movies or movies that come out in theaters <laughs> and on streaming services and they star people you know. B-list movies are, or B-movies, excuse me, uh, are movies that, like uh, like Blackula and um, uh, The Room, just, just a bunch of, you know, cobbled together, not too good, not, you know, uh, uh, cult films and stuff. Uh, I would say he was like a D-list producer, <laughs> producing D-movies uh, that I, I'm surprised people would have even seen. And he reached out to me and said, hey, can you, hey, I, I read your thing and it was great. He never never got specific. I think I talked about this before, but it's like, hey, I read, I read, I read your, your script. It was great on the blacklist uh, when it wasn't, I don't remember what script was up there because it wasn't the two movies that are up there now, but uh it's, but he asked me, uh, he, a, the, the, he was using, I'm going to stop using a and B and stuff. Uh, he was using his brother's account to send me, to send me messages. And so I had to, I, I definitely had to Google them. And that's why I realized that he's not a uh, high level, you know, anything. And he kept messaging me and we were talking. He's like, uh, how, would you ever write an urban horror movie? Cause oh, cause the, because the, I guess the, the movie I had up had, uh, yeah, people of color in it. <laughs> he read an urban horror movie and I said, sure. Uh, you know, just a young dumb Chad. Uh, and it was, he was like, okay, you're going to do it on spec, which means you don't get paid. You just write the script. And if they like it, then they'll buy it. <laughs> and if not, then you're, you just spent, you know, however long writing that movie. Uh, so he's like, 
he said, before we get to the spec though, just write me a couple of pages. And so I did that and I wrote, I gave him like two options and uh, no, no. Okay. So the first one I gave him is something that I turned into something else that I started uh, another movie script on, but it was, it was a, uh, I, I did like an urban, urban thing. <laughs> I did. It was basically, you know, uh, an alien succubus. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> alien succubus takes college men and women because she is bisexual. Uh, <laughs> she takes, she sucks their souls out and, you know, eats them or whatever. And so that was, and that, and so I wrote, I wrote a little, I wrote an outline for it because that's how I write. And then I wrote, uh, and then I took one of those, one of the scenes in the outline. And then I wrote a scene based on that. And, and then I said, I sent him the scene and he was like, okay, how about more urban? And I went, the fuck do you want? <laughs> what do you want? I just cursed. I was like, he was like, what the heck do you want? Uh, and, uh, so then I wrote him probably the most urban thing I could ever, I could think of. And, um, <laughs> you, you can, you can imagine that in Dale's. And he was like, okay, well, maybe not so urban. <laughs> I remember this. That was such a, like, he, it was such an about face. Oh, okay, it's a little too urban for me. And again, it was, oh, it had to be, it was an urban horror comedy. That's what he wanted. And so both of them were comedies. And, uh, and, and I wrote the, and, and then, and so he's like, okay, this is, this is good. Uh, and then, and then it was my mom who was like, why don't you ask him a bunch of questions? And then I asked him a bunch of questions and then like, so we talked on the phone, this guy and I, and it was, he sounded like he was in a hurry, like in a rush. He's in <laughs> his car, just drove. Hey man, I'm in LA. I'm driving around. Just like he could have been an Uber driver. And he, and I asked him a bunch of questions and then he ghosted me like every woman in my life. He ghosted me. <laughs> and I just thought, Oh, this, it could, it could have been a scam, but he was, but it was like you, why would you lie? Because the movies were real and I saw the trailers and I saw the website, I saw the company's website. Uh, uh, but he was just trying to get, I, what I think was he was trying to get me to write a free script for him or, or pay me, you know, as little money as possible for this little tiny script. I would, I should have done it. I shouldn't have asked a question. I should have been like, yeah, why not? I'll do it. I'm not really, <laughs> I don't really been working right now. Just writing 90 pages of straight up crap based on the movies that he had. Uh, Anyway, that's a nice little story. Hey, let's get to the first topic. 13 minutes in. Or 12, based on uh, how I sat around for a minute. This is written by Edmund Lee and Lauren Hirsch over at New York Times. BuzzFeed is going public. What now for Vice and Vox? So we talked about how BuzzFeed was going public. Also, who went public this week? Uh, who Or whose IPO dropped? Robinhood. And it launched at $38. Robinhood's the stock trading app that anybody can use on their cellular phones. And uh, they were hoping for $42, high of 42 They had to go with their low of 38 And now they're I think they're trading at like 34 or something. So it's not too. You always want to sit on IPOs and, and just wait. Uh, not not many of them did do well uh, when they first start. Uh, I read that Facebook started at like 38 30 and then and it launched at 38 uh, dropped to 32 in its first couple of months, and then just skyrocketed. Now it's at over $300 per share. Uh, same, but like even for Spotify, Spotify launched at what forty, and now it's at like four hundred or something. God, I wish I wish I had jumped on that Spotify one because I like them. So BuzzFeed, we talked about this before, going public, and this is going to push uh, a, a lot of a lot of its competition to really think about what they're doing in terms of uh, in terms of getting more of the market share. So the reason, excuse me, Vice and Vox were mentioned is because they are in the same segment as BuzzFeed, more or less. Vice, as you know, tried to go public a number of times. And a couple couple years ago, uh, when Disney was buying Fox, they, Disney put in a lot of, Vice has a lot of backers, including Disney. And Disney, they were they were they were price, they were valued at you know close to a, like a billion and now they're valued probably around three hundred million or something like that. I don't know. That's a that's that's something I did for news time a long time ago and I can't remember the numbers. But valuations for each one of these Vox, Vice, and Group Nine and other companies like like it based on digital journalism. 
have gone up because people really enjoy that stuff. <laughs> and it all came down to this. And this is from the article. Give readers web native content free of charge and watch the money roll in from advertisers eager to connect with the younger audience. Look at the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journals, Wall Street Journals, all those periodicals. They've done well because they've turned into the skid of digital journalism. And now all three of those are charging the readers for, uh, for to read them. Vox has gotten into the charging game. It, it started this past uh, pandemic, during the pandemic. <laughs> this past, The next pandemic, you know. Oh God! Uh, yeah, the uh, uh, um, Vox started charging. Well, I, not charging, asking for donations. Atlantic is now fully full charge. Additionally, with that, a number of leading web journalists have decamped for these century-old institutions, while investors are demanding returns on the money they plowed into the digital companies when they were all the rage. Ezra Klein left, he created Vox, or co-created Vox Media, and left, and now he's at the New York Times, because that is sure money, whereas at Vox, uh, you don't, yeah, you have the younger readers, but now advertisers are looking for more stable money, and when you're, when you're older, you typically have more stable money. You're going to be, if you're an older person, and you're subscribed to the Wall Street Journal, you're going to be, you're going to be paying that $38 per month. Whereas uh, a, a, a younger person, someone my age, um, who says they enjoy reading Vox, who says they enjoy reading The Atlantic, uh, is not necessarily going to donate $5 every month or, uh, or pay The Atlantic uh, however much money that they're asking for uh, so you can read their stuff, read more than three articles. So now Vox... And Vice had to start growing in order to, and BuzzFeed as well, in order to uh, compete with one another, in order to compete against or with the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and uh, Washington Post. Vox bought New York Media, which is the parent of New York Magazine and all the other crap that comes with that. Vice bought Refinery29. Group 9 added Pop Sugar to its stable that included the Dodo and Thrillist. Interesting. And then BuzzFeed bought HuffPost from uh, Verizon, but Verizon also now owns a little bit of BuzzFeed. And then uh, they also bought Complex. Vice Media is circling a plan to go public again. According to three people with knowledge of Vice Media, Vox is considering several offers that would take it public through a SPAC, two people with the, familiar with the business said, and Axios, a news site based in Washington that started in 2017, has had talks with the German publishing giant Axel Springer about a possible merger, according to three people with knowledge in negotiations. So, there are two extremes that they point out here as to why these companies who want to do this. On one end, there's the Post, the Journal, the Times that have their millions of subscribers between three and six. Large news operations that rely on their prestige, breadth, and experience to attract subscribers. And then there are these younger ones, Axios and Vice, that have hyper-focused reporting you know, vice with all just drug reporter <laughs> on subjects of special interest to smaller but intensely loyal audiences. You know, it's kind of like the Patreon, the Patreon thing. Uh, are you going to just because you can follow, you know, Doughboys on Patreon? Does that mean that you're going to want to? You can get you get the free show, but then if you want that extra show, if you want to talk on the Discord, are you going to pay that five or ten dollars per month? All of all the digital publishers currently pursued by Wall Street, Vox Media could reverse the trend of reducing a company's value to go public. Because typically, when they go public, 
they say, oh, we're worth, uh, we're worth, you know, two billion, and then, and then right before they go public, like, yeah, okay, well, maybe we're not worth that much. <laughs> Fox Media anticipates around four hundred million dollars in revenue this year, growing at a rate of more than twenty-five percent. This year, Vox Media is likely to hit a financial metric known as a cash flow positive. That means the company's operations have more cash coming in than going out, which makes it easier to expand or even pay dividends to its investors. It also makes going public less urgent because you go public, you get money, or you're 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 valued at you know some odd thing. People start investing, and then boom, you have money. And now you're worth more. You're worth more. It's all about worth for these things. So is it as a SPAC the right move for BuzzFeed? We'll see when it start when it launches that IPO, and we'll see how Vice and Vox both tackle this. Uh, they're probably both going to launch with a SPAC, but uh, Vice has you know pretty big investors. Vox is looks to be going in the right direction in terms of uh, money, money made. So we'll see how this turns out for them in the end. Uh, but 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 the real the real kicker here is going to be BuzzFeed when it when it comes to what happens or how 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 the outlook is for the others. Moving on, this next one comes from Forbes, written by John. Oh, excuse me, John Chmielewski, Chmielewski, Chmielewski. Any potential Viacom CBS Comcast deal on hold amid uncertain regulatory environments, says Insider. Last week I talked about how Viacom, CBS, and Comcast, or NBC Universal, uh, in this case, are were thinking about teaming up for international prospects in terms of streaming, because both Paramount Plus and Peacock need to expand into the international market or further into the international market uh, if they plan on making any money or doing any better than they are. Uh, I, um, HBO Max, Netflix, Hulu. Hulu now. Hulu used to not be international uh, or as far-reaching as it is. Disney Plus, along with, you know, Disney Plus and then Disney Plus Hotstar in India uh, and even Prime Video are all international and that's that's how you continue to get subscribers and, and, and do well. And when you're these other companies and you and you're and now you're expecting your money to uh, uh, sorry, excuse me, I'm, I'm typing in something for Paramount Plus. And now uh, when you expect your money to be coming in with, uh, you know, with streaming, then um, this is interesting. But with Biden's new regulatory look, because Amazon did buy MGM and Disney did buy Fox and uh, uh, Apple's creating its own ecosystem, app ecosystem with the App Store, and it's not letting other app stores on the iPhone. They're creating a monopoly. Uh, they're closing off, you know, your ecosystem, and and now it's Biden is rightfully taking a look at at how these businesses are basically closing off competition. Oh, and then also AT&T uh, spins off WarnerMedia with Discovery, and Discovery now uh, basically owns WarnerMedia at this point. So it's on pause. The deal's on pause. But this this article that Don wrote, well, not, I will refuse to go back to the last name. <laughs> this article is based, is saying that or, or is insinuating that Viacom, CBS, and Comcast were looking to combine into one company, which I took that the that the, from last week's article that they were just looking to do international streaming together. And I'm going to see if she, yeah, okay. Uh, but the she mentions the international uh, markets, but the thing is, she's. The, what she what she's writing about, and this this is why it's a little bit confusing, uh, is that she's writing that it's as if they were going to come together with a quote unquote business combination, and then she links she links to that she links to an, of another article she wrote on July twentieth about ten days ago, <laughs> as if that that was going to be the merger. I don't think that was going to be the merger. It, you know, I 
in my heart of hearts, I th- I think that was I think the only thing was they were going to, uh, if anything, at the highest degree, they were going to combine Peacock and Paramount Plus at the you know and in, in wildest and I'm not gonna say dreams, but in my wildest imagination, that's what that was. That's worse than dreams. <laughs> Uh, that that that's what my idea was, as if they were going to go. This is hey Peacock, Paramount Plus. If you guys, if you live in India or England or uh, Russia or China, uh, uh, let me name one more. Uh, Japan. <laughs> if you live in any of those, if you live in any of those places or anything surrounding it, then you're going to get uh, 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 Paramount. You know, you're just going to get this combined app. You're going to get. Disney Plus Hotstar. That was gonna. That's what's gonna be yours, you know. Uh, that's and, that, and that's like that's like the top tier. That's what I can think of. And then, but in reality, realistically, I would have thought, or you know, you know, it would have been uh, like a Hulu style thing. Hulu, Hulu. You know, you can get HBO Max and Stars. You know, like channels, like Amazon channels. You can get all that stuff. You can get all that stuff and subscribe to that in one app. As opposed to going to having to get all those other apps, something like that. Uh, and she even writes that from a Hulu salad streaming joint venture. Yeah, there you go. That's what the sources were saying. But at the at the bottom tier of that, I would think that it was going to be, you know, Paramount Plus, Peacock. They launch in these markets, but instead of paying five dollars for Peacock with ads and uh, uh, five dollars for Paramount Plus with ads, you pay eight dollars, you get both. You get access to both. It's just a bundle. That's what I thought. That's what that that was. That was my initial thing. So apparently, Don says there was a, a conversation between Comcast CEO Brian Roberts and Viacom CBS Chairwoman Sherry Redstone and CEO Bob Backish, which led to a broader discussion of whether there were other strategic possibilities from a Hulu-styled streaming joint venture to a more comprehensive tie-up. That's what the sources say to Forbes. Peacock, as they, she talks about how it's struggling, uh, how Peacock and Paramount Plus are struggling compared to Netflix, Amazon, uh, even Amazon, Jesus, Apple and Disney. Even Amazon, wow. <laughs> Peacock, which is currently showing the Olympic Games, is, only, is available only in the U.S., while Paramount Plus is offered in the U.S. and Latin America and plans to launch in 25 markets around the world by the end of the year. I think Peacock announced, they announced their quarterly earnings, Peacock subscribers, and this is recent. Peacock hits 54 million signups amid Tokyo Olympics, and that includes people that's just signing up. Oh, okay, here's here's something that's going to be international strategy. Uh, NBC Universal's Peacock is going to be offered with two 20 million Sky subscribers in Europe at no extra cost as part of the international streaming strategy for Hollywood. So they get the free Peacock. That's amazing. Around 20 million users of the 54 million signups are monthly active accounts. I don't know if he means if they're paying or not. That's from uh, Bob Backish. This and this article is from uh, Hollywood Reporter, written by Etten Vlessing and George Salazai. Salazai. These are great names. This is better than freaking John Smith and Tim Jimson. <laughs> Tim Jimson. Oh, that Tim Jimson. Oh, what a sob. The studio will also, this is from the Hollywood Reporter article, make programming changes to Peacock to boost its consumer offering. Starting in 2022, a, quote, reimagined dynamic pay one window will shift film titles from Universal Empire to Peacock, exclusively for the first and last. Yeah, okay, that's the deals we already talked about. Okay, so the subs are $54 million right now. And then uh, Viacom, CBS's own Paramount Plus, this also comes from Hollywood Reporter, written by... George Salazai have 36 million and this is and this is one that's not free so you have to pay the five dollars or ten dollars uh, for ad supported or non ad supported 
So that's a good. That's a good. That's a good amount. And uh, they're also doing. Uh, and Showtime is also apparently doing pretty well too. So I, I wonder with the Paramount Plus and Showtime, they're called, they're combining those together, or 36 million. Uh, that's I don't think you should combine them. You should have separate numbers. So I'm thinking Paramount Plus has about um, 28 million, and or no, I'm giving I'm giving I'm giving Showtime the benefit of the doubt, but I'm I'm guessing 28 million and 8 million, some something along those lines. Hey, I'm good. At, I'm pretty good at math uh, when it comes to not really things that matter. Not really things that matter. Uh, it's the stream, streaming push is uh, very important, and uh, I mean, if anything, Comcast is a, a, or NBC Universal is uh, is already bigger than not bigger than Disney, but they're bigger than Netflix, uh, and they I'm gonna have to say it, probably don't really need the money if you have the tentpole films like Trolls and like uh, 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 Fast and Furious. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just doesn't, I mean, yes, it's good to have a foothold in the streaming world, but I don't, that's not going to be your main thing at the, uh, right now. It kind of has to be, and, uh, you have to find out something to do with these movies and, and you've already changed up how you're distributing them and how you're, and how long they get to stay in theaters, which is now 45 days, uh, which is, which is having, having you know, the, uh, the traditional 90 day window. So, it, so I, for, for that, you know, I, it just seems like Comcast is, is, is running around not really knowing what to do <laughs> and they, and it seems like they're bleeding money, but they're not. <laughs> I, 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 like, I, I truly doubt they are. And it doesn't make sense to make giant moves. Uh, so a bundle would be better than making a Hulu-like ecosystem alongside your competition. Distribution is hard. Expanding is hard. Let's keep marching on. This next one comes from Variety, written by Michael Schneider. TV lags far behind film in uh, disability representation, rather. Nielsen, respect, ability, and uh, study reveals. This is an exclusive. Don't know why I said that part. Television still falls far behind and uh, behind film and depicting characters with disabilities, according to a new study that was released on Wednesday. As an encouraging sign, the report found that content featuring depictions of disability rose more than 175% in the past decade. Wow. But that the majority of these roles were played by performers without disabilities, which is very true. Uh, is very true. <laughs> That's a very true thing. I think now... You know, in the you can't you can't really. I I, I, I started this uh, this crusade. I started this thing this year where uh, I just don't watch shows that don't have um, if they don't have people of color in the uh, main in the main cast. I just don't watch uh, shows and movies. I, if it's just not you know that's why F nine came out. Loved it because it's all people of color versus all white people. It's so funny. <laughs> I just realized that uh, you know recently where it's. Every all the main people on the fast team, excluding Paul Walker, are all brown people. Jordana Brewster's Brazilian, and, and Vince is uh, is a person of color, and uh, he won't he won't say which one. But I think I've I've already talked about this before. Uh, how I think he's either Brazilian or Cuban, half Brazilian, half Cuban, and uh, you know everybody else is uh, black or Latino. And then it's and then in F nine it's all, it's those it's those black and Latino people, and Asian and Asian guy versus. John John Cena White, uh, uh, Charlie's their own White, and uh, a German guy from Army of the Dead or Day of the What was that movie called? What was the Army of the Dead? I think so. Good movie. Don't know why the spinoff is about his character though. Doesn't make sense. And it might not be the same guy, <laughs> but he's German and he's white, and so he's probably the same guy. <laughs> Time to the 31st anniversary of the Americans with Disability Act, Disabilities Act. Nielsen and Respectability have partnered on a three-part series of reports, quote, Visibility of Disability. The initial study evaluated 3,000 titles and found that around 65% of depictions of disability came via films. Just 16% came from regular series, with a balance seen in TV, movies, limited series, or specials. You know, 
it's it's interesting. I uh, so anyway, I, like I was saying earlier, you can't the stuff that came on uh, in you know 2002. Like you can't get mad at Friends for them for not having any people of color. It was I mean it's, I I understand it's a you know that you can be mad about any small thing now, but but uh, you can't. Yeah, I mean you can't be mad. At like, you know, just like everybody loves Raymond, you can't get mad at that for not having uh, really any people of color at all. I don't think. Uh, why pick on Friends? There's other shows that that just don't have it because it was just just a different time. Like when UPN was on, that's where all the the black shows were. Uh, uh, you know, Sandra Bullock, she produced the George Lopez show because there were no Latino people on television. Uh, I've been watching a lot of George Lopez show. Uh, I haven't seen that show since probably high school, and it's still very, it's still a very funny uh, sitcom. So very, and it lasted for a, a good amount of years. Anyway, it's so you, you can't you can't get mad at things that are made, you know, in two thousand. Right? Like if they use slurs, if they have all this stuff, it's it's the time after we started becoming uh, more eyes open instead of eyes wide shut. <laughs> we're at orgies all over the place. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, we, it's it's the time it's the time after you become this more open minded society where you can where you can go okay this needs to have you know people of color this needs to have people with disabilities this needs to have uh, more LGBTQ representation and and so now and so that's you know I'm just not watching things that don't have those things and it's it's you know what. It's very easy. I don't have to. I don't. I don't have to watch the new He-Man cartoon because it's most. It's like ninety-five percent white guys. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> like, come on. Ugh, Jesus. And I want to watch it, but I'm just not <laughs> going to. So. So all that is to say is uh, anything that's new coming out, and there's someone in a wheelchair. I watched a horror movie. Um, horror movie with a girl in a wheelchair and I can't remember what the title was but it was on um, uh, Hulu I think it's called no Run it's called Run great horror movie Sarah Paulson and the young woman in a wheelchair was Kiera Allen and there's points where she's knocked out of that chair and she does some great physical acting because she's forced to at that point. Like we're dragging herself across the floor or a roof um, and it's or swinging herself across a roof. Jesus. And, and she and she's and she's, uh, you know, it's just so good. So good. And I'm like, I imagine seeing an actress that that's uh, that has full use of her legs trying to do that stuff. And it would just seem you know, uh, fake, but this, but Kiera was, was so good and, uh, so alive in that role. Uh, even though her mother was trying to, to, to kill her. Uh, <laughs> and then in the, Oh God, <laughs> in the, the end is a surprise. <laughs> Something happens in the end where you're like, Whoa, a survey attached to the study also found that audiences with disabilities more often found themselves with those portrayals. Found problems. Excuse me. Why is they themselves with those portrayals? Specifically, the survey found that people with a disability are eight percent more likely than people without a disability to say TV portrayals inaccurate. Seven percent. You can see the numbers on here, and they don't really get into them. Uh, but it's uh, we there. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna cast if you're gonna if you're gonna write a story around a person with disability with a disability then do that there was a oh god there was a movie trailer i just watched on hulu that excuse me uh who jesus uh imdb i'm gonna go to imdb there's a movie trailer i just watched on hulu where the uh about halfway through i went wait that i saw i saw three actors and i went wait that that person is down syndrome that person is down syndrome that person has Down syndrome, and then I went, "Oh wait, she's in a wheelchair. Is this really her?" And then, and then I realized, "Oh my gosh, like every single person in this movie has uh, a you know a disability." Okay, the movie is called Best Summer Ever, and it is uh, it, <laughs> it looks so fun. It's a musical, and um, God, we we let's get rid of let's get rid of let's get rid of Rotten Tomatoes let's get all get rid of all this stuff I don't want to see 
but Shannon DeVito is in it, and she is uh, is an actress that uses a motorized wheelchair, and she leads the pack with, well, there's a young black man who is not on the Google cast list for some reason. Don't know why he is not. Uh, that is interesting to see. His name is A.J. Murray. No, that's not him, I don't think. That's interesting to see. I wonder why he's not up here. Hmm. Makes me question a lot of things. His name is Ricky Alexander. And I don't know. And then there's, uh, then everybody else, I don't want to, I don't want to pass judgment or say anything like you say, like, oh, they're, they're all, you know, people with, uh, mental or physical disabilities. But I, a lot, a majority of, of the, the cast was, uh, or appeared, you know, to be, uh, and, uh, it, it, it looks it looks great. It looks fun. It looks fun, and it looks like all this. And God, this woman can sing. This Shannon girl, uh, or Sharon, I forgot her name. I also exited out of IMDb. And <laughs> Ricky can Ricky can sing as well. So it's uh, it looks like High School Musical, but uh, you know, not with a, a bunch of uh, 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 rich white kids and Corbin Blue. I've never seen High School Musical, as you can tell. So. We need so this representation is not just a black and white thing. It needs or or a man a male female thing. It needs to be expand. I think about this all the time. It just needs we need to not fight one fight, <laughs> not one fight, not even one fight at a time. There needs to be multiple times. This is a forty two minute episode uh, where we need where, where where things need to be pushed forward. Where everything needs to be pushed forward and not just one agenda at once. Um, so. Uh, more people like there there was an episode of uh claws uh where the beautiful gin lion and uh the man who plays his husband her, her husband excuse me uh the gorgeous gin lion uh, uh where the and the man who plays her husband bryce were uh being i guess you know talking to like their accountant or something at their home uh, their luscious home in florida and claws is a show about <laughs> A bunch of women who do nails who get stuck uh, working for the Dixie Mafia. <laughs> okay, so that's what that is. And uh, their accountant or whoever, whoever that person was in their house uh, was in a wheelchair. And, and, you know, they had fun with they had fun with it without uh, without uh, hitting anyone's expense, without, you know, attacking the person. The person did their scene. And then they uh, instead of uh, backing out and walking away, obviously, they rolled back and then turned their chair and, and then you know, rolled away. That just sounds so mean. Just rolled away. And, uh, Jen Lyon and, uh, the beautiful Jen Lyon and the man, the man who played her husband, uh, followed that person with a comedic, with a comedic beat of, they watched the person walk out, uh, roll out. And then they watched them roll away by, and they leaned out like this. And I thought that was such a funny, a funny thing to do. Cause that doesn't hurt anyone. They just, they just watch the person go, but they just happen to be in a wheelchair. And so they happen to do that, the nice smooth move. This is a, that's pretty good. All right, let's finish off. This is going to be a big one. This comes from the Wall Street Journal, broken by the Wall Street Journal, written by R.T. Watson. Disney's Black Widow tops box office, lifting prospect of movie going re. What? This is the wrong thing. <laughs> Did I? Uh... Okay, WSJ. Okay, so what happened is uh, uh, <laughs> I typed in Black Window, <laughs> Black Widow. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney because of, uh, the release, the streaming release of Black Widow and believe it, I have been open about my dislike of Scarlett Johansson for a very long time and believe it or not, I think she's, I think she's correct in suing them. So we've got last week. Or a couple, uh, two weeks ago, or I think, or something like that, the movie theaters, movie theater council, or whatever association came out and said that they, they, the that uh, Black Widow did not do well, uh, and the reason was it didn't make a billion dollars, and the reason was is because people can spend thirty dollars and watch it at home and have however many people in their homes watching it. Uh, I and I and I talked about how Jason Kilar over at Warner Media said that the day and date stuff for HBO Max and the theaters, you know, it it really told the story, told the tale of if that movie was going to do well or not. So uh, Wonder Woman uh, 1984 did well. 
because it it did well in theaters because it did well on HBO Max. They basically said that they're one and one. Uh, and the Heights did not do well on HBO Max. Ergo, it did not do well in theaters. And you can really see the box office on that. And so, uh, and now that statement kind of reigns true for the the whole of the streaming industry with this day and date stuff. I do want to double check though, if that's true for Boss Baby Two. Because you could pay, because that one, unlike Trolls World Tour, Boss Baby 2 did not release on Hulu and on Peacock, and you could, for free, and if you just subscribed, and you can watch them both, you had to actually subscribe to Peacock. You had to pay the $5 in order to watch. Now, Boss Baby 2's uh, box office looks like it is, this comes from Box Office Mojo, domestic $51 million. Worldwide, $62 million. Uh, I don't know if that is... <laughs> that's definitely not what they're looking for, because the first one was $528 million, looks like. Uh, USD, wow, Jesus. So it did gangbusters across the seas. But uh, going back to Black Widow, it is... It's uh, it's interesting to see that, that she jumped on this immediately, because... Wow, God... HBO said, so when HBO, uh, when Warner announced that HBO Max is going to be doing the day and date thing, they immediately reached out to the stars of the movies that are affected and from everybody from uh, Wonder Woman 1984 all the way to uh, Dune. And I assume, I think West Side Story might be Warner Media. I don't know. Let's see. The 2021 film. Yeah, I re-listened to that soundtrack and uh, it still is, it still is good. As I remembered it to be. It's a Steven Spielberg movie. That's all I can tell you. It doesn't say what studio. I want, What if I just typed in HBO Max? HBO Max. I don't think it's going to be on HBO Max. Uh, well, West Side Story, the original, is on Turner Classic Movies. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like it's on HBO Max. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? So, uh, what was I talking about? <laughs> I completely forgot. So, so here's what. So here's what's happening. Oh, I was talking about. Oh, so everybody. So every. So okay, right. So I know. I know some about. So uh, when Warner Media announced that all the movies were going to come to HBO Max for the just only for 2021. Uh, everybody went in uproar. Everybody who likes watching movies, everybody who likes watching film, I guess, uh, was it was an uproar because they were saying that's not fair. You, this is going to make streaming the dominant thing, uh, you know, which is partially true. But following that, uh, Warner said, no, this is hey, we're only doing it for this year, and then also we're going to pay extra money to you know the the points in the back end. So. Basically what that is, if you're a big enough star, if you're a star of a movie, <laughs> then uh, 1984, Denzel Washington, uh, uh, Gal Gadot, 1984, Wonder Woman, 1984, uh, Denzel Washington and uh, the little things, these little things, all the little places, all the small things, uh, Denzel Washington in, in that movie, and I assume Jared Leto as well, uh, and whoever, Ethan Hawke, was that? No, that's no, Ethan Hawke. That's Training Day. Who else was in the Pretty Little Things or <laughs> Pretty Little Lives? Oh God, that remix gonna be soon. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, people in Dune, Timothy Chalamet, everybody. You know, just if you're in those movies, you're going you and you're big enough, you're gonna get uh, you get your paycheck, and then you also get if the movie does well enough, if it, if it passes certain thresholds then you're going to get a certain threshold. If it passes certain thresholds, you're also going to get more money, which is a nice thing, right? And I think, I think, uh, uh, I don't want to put her money out there, but Gal Gadot might've gotten like 10 extra million or something like that. 10 or 50 million. It's one of those numbers. I, I have to, I have to double check this. Gadot. Wonder Woman, 1984, uh, uh, extra pay, <laughs> that just sounds horrible, 10 million, it was 10 million, she got paid uh, an extra 10 million because of uh, what was happening, no, she took home 10 million for the sequel, 
and then she's getting she got more money in the back end. Whatever. Okay. Who cares? It doesn't matter. I don't. I don't. Want, I don't want to talk about money with uh, with these people. It's none of my business. So Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney because of all of the uh, because of the streaming thing. According to the complaint, Ms. Johansson's representatives sought to renegotiate her contract after learning of a dual-release strategy for Black Widow. The decision to put the movie on Disney Plus is projected to cost Ms. Johansson more than $50 million. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> Good night. Call a joast. <laughs> really married up. Did they sign a prenup? <laughs> this is based on uh, hers. It, it is so hot in here. I even turned the air down. It's so hot. Black Widow uh, grossed $80 million at the domestic box office and, and $78 million overseas and generated another $60 million from $30 at-home purchases on Disney+. Plus. So that looks like it's roughly, do the math, Chad, 168 plus 50. So 210? 211? Something along those lines? Soon after, after its release, the movie's theatrical performance fell in the subsequent days more sharply than most Marvel films. Now, I'm going to read this next part, but then I want to, I want to say my own thing. Some analysts and executives in Hollywood questioned whether making the movie easy to watch at home was hurting the box office results, and so did the National Association of Theater Owners. So now, they say that, but I also question, because usually these movies take home a billion dollars by the end of their run at the end of three months. But my question is... Uh, is this not because it's a Black Widow movie? And I'm not saying that because it's a woman. I'm not saying that because uh, it's Scarlett Johansson because I don't like her. But I think it is, and also it's a prequel. It's a it's a it's a Black Widow movie and it's a prequel because we see the character die. We saw her end of life. Does it really make sense for us to go back and watch a story with characters we don't even know? Uh, also, that's a movie I won't see because no people of color. <laughs> I had to look it up. I was I because I watched a trailer and I thought. Huh, I didn't see any people of color. I know the movie's in Russia or whatever, but come on. And and I looked it up on uh, Wikipedia and I saw that there's a her love interest, I guess, is a is a black guy. But uh, come on, come on, guys, come on. Let's just one person, just one person of color doesn't count for me. So I I mean, because if you release a Hawkeye movie, that's why there's a Hawkeye show and it's going to star Haley Steinfeld instead of Jeremy Renner. It, it just you know it's 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 just something that's not. You know, Loki is fantastical, and I've never seen the show, but I know that people, you know, they love it because it's a magic thing, and there's time warps today. Uh, same thing for Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's There's super-powered stuff uh, versus are we going to see another – we're going to see Disney's version of uh, a spy, a generic spy movie in Black Widow. But that's, that's nothing to say against the quality of the film. That's just that's just my logic and reasoning for that. So this comes from The Hollywood Reporter. Eric Gardner wrote, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow lawsuit is game-changing, but it may be legally weak. And in some cases, uh, ugh, boy, autoplay videos, guys, come on. We can't, we can't keep doing this. It's 2021. So the court filing happened, and then the Wall Street Journal ha- uh, article happened at the exact same time. Actors, directors, and writers have very real concerns about being fairly compensated in an industry whose business model is shifting in real time, plus legitimate gripes that these huge conglomerates are making movies to benefit their digital platforms. Undoubtedly, Gardner writes, and this is an opinion piece, Johansson has an arbitration clause in her deal with Marvel for all of Thursday's headlines that Johansson is alleging that her contract to star in Black Widow was breached when Disney decided to put the superhero movie on Disney Plus the same day, she's not formally asserting breach of contract as a cause of action in her lawsuit. So that's what she should do. He, this was Gardner is saying that she should she should say not only, you know, like it's she's basically saying that it's costing her money, but it's not saying that it's a breach of contract. And I think legally, I'm not a lawyer, but that's what she needs to do. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, but uh, 
To do so would almost certainly mean a straight ticket to arbitration. Instead, Johansson is making the sideways legal claim that Disney, as parent company, caused Marvel, its subsidiary, to breach contractual obligations. So basically, it shows the actress indeed senses advantage to putting and keeping this case in open court. But unfortunately for her, Gardner writes, it also highlights how there's not much guarantee it will stick. Disney's first move in the case is very likely to be a motion to compel arbitration on argument. This guy's really smart. The gamesmanship can't evade an agreement to privately litigate this type of dispute. Interesting. Oh, and then uh, he talks about how uh, a... uh, how the the lawyer representing Johansson basically won a case similar to this with the show Bones, <laughs> the Emily Deschanel show Bones, that Stewie Griffin was on at one point, and I watched uh, that the you know the three seconds that he was on. He's a similar tactic to avoid arbitration in that dispute over Hulu streaming, and it failed. Luckily. He ran into an arbitrator who saw, quote, reprehensible fraud anyway. Uh, I'll let you continue reading Gardner's stuff, but it's, uh, you know, I think, I mean, there's maybe there's a reason why he, they, he, he, yeah. I mean, maybe it was easier for them to, to go through this, this backwards way of saying, Hey, uh, Disney caused Marvel to break the contract instead of saying Disney broke the contract. Uh, you know, maybe she doesn't want to burn bridges. Maybe she, uh, with Disney, which obviously she did. And Disney came out and said, hey, Scarlet, they, they basically what they did was they blamed the pandemic. They said how they they blamed her for and they and they they blamed it on the pandemic. They said, we paid you 20 million dollars. How dare you? And then uh, <laughs> and then they said, uh we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Millions of people have lost their lives. We're not worried about this, <laughs> which I think this is like, that's like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's like uh, being caught cheating and then saying you, you went out with your friends last Tuesday and I was alone last Tuesday, but every other night we were together <laughs> and I was just very, I was so turned on by making pizza that I called the pizza girl to come over. <laughs> I don't know. This comes from Variety, read by Brent Lang. Brent Lang, excuse me. Black Widow lawsuit. CAA slams Disney for releasing Scarlett Johansson's salary. Which is another move that I agree with. I never thought I would agree with Scarlett Johansson or any of her people in any fashion. After her, uh, after her saying that she could play trans and she could play Asian and not taking it back. That's crazy. The legal and public relations battle between Scarlett Johansson and the Walt Disney Company escalated on Friday morning as the actress's talent agent rose to her defense and slammed the media conglomerate for leaking her salary and, quote, an attempt to weaponize her success as an artist and businesswoman. I don't know if I agree with that, but... Uh, they shamelessly they shamelessly and falsely accused Miss Johansson of being insensitive to the global COVID pandemic in an attempt to make her appear to be someone they and I know she isn't. Yeah, I mean she's she's, I mean in 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 the in in all cases she's being somebody who is trying to get her worth. She's trying to get all of the money that she has. I mean that she's supposed to get. Uh, pandemic or not, like if this wasn't a pandemic, she would she would have been paid that extra, uh, she would have earned that extra, uh, uh, you know, thirty million or so uh, when it comes or however <laughs> thirty million. <laughs> this movie did so well. <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, she would have earned you know however however many tens of millions that she'd have earned extra uh, when it came to this. Did, all right, so here's the here's the here's the article uh, Disney said. This comes from Variety, written by Brent Lang. Disney fires back at Scarlett Johansson and calls Black Widow lawsuit sad and distressing. Oh God, that is that is gaslighting. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. Okay, so 
Uh, this is what Disney said. There is no merit to this filing. The lawsuit is especially sad and distressing, and it's callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. That has nothing to do with it. I understand that they're saying that the pandemic affected their ability to release this movie in theaters, uh, but let's be real. It did not. Like, I mean, you still released it on Disney Plus for $30. People, like, if you watch it once, people watch it once, whatever, and then... Uh, what if someone says, I'm going to watch this again? You know, there are four of us watch it together and I'll pay for it this time. And they'll pay for it next time. You know, it's I, it's just, ugh, good Lord. That is just, that is such a, <laughs> uh, speaking of callous, I mean, that is just DJ callous. That is such, <laughs> that is such a, uh, a, a horrible way, a horrible way to, to try to do that. And now, I, now it makes me wonder, I wonder how Cruella did at the box office. And now Jungle Cruise released today, and they've been hyping that up for a year straight. So Cruella did $225.5 million at the U.S. box office. Open to $7 million, and it, it looks like it did pretty well uh, consistently. And that's also a Disney Plus release. Uh, again, I think in some cases, <laughs> you know, it's earned... The gross, the total gross, uh, is right now 84 for us. And then it's 225 for uh world. But I mean, in some cases, or excuse me, 221 worldwide. In some cases, I just think that black widow might, it's just, people might be, maybe people are tired of Marvel stuff. Like they got tired of, uh, 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 star Wars. <laughs> Jesus. But I mean, in any case, uh, as I said, Black Widow did 159 and worldwide, uh, that's domestically, and worldwide it did 319. So I wonder if uh, they, they, you know, quote unquote, breach contract with, uh, what's her name? Emma Stone. <laughs> Once you get married, uh, my crush leaves. <laughs> So it's it's a very it's a very interesting case. I think that uh, again, I, I, Scarlet Scarlet's right. Scarlet's right. This this is something that needs to be looked at, uh, especially when when Warner took care of its of its stars. If you're gonna, that's why Universal they opted to go with this plan. You know, it's either release it on your streaming platform and people are gonna pay for it. Uh, or release it in theaters and just wait, or release it for free, or sell it to a streaming another streaming platform, a competition competitor, and then release it for free, and then not make any money. You know, just you know, make about a tenth of what what you were you know supposedly going to make. So that's you know, we got F9 in theaters. You can't stream it yet. It'll probably be able to stream on Paramount Plus by winter time of this year. You know, Trolls World Tour. They got Dan Date uh, mostly because they had to. But Boss Baby, you get day and date uh, only because they're testing testing out the waters. And Boss Baby, you can kind of lose money on because that that's probably not going to come back. <laughs> I mean, obviously, because he was he turned out to be an adult in the end of uh, he grew and in the beginning of Boss Baby too, rather, because in the end of the show, spoiler alert, he he decided to be a baby. Yeah, I watched the show. I love the show. It's great. And so, I mean, so Universal doesn't have the flexibility, nor did they have the subscriber numbers for Paramount Plus in order to, uh, to to get with that. Excuse me, NBC Universal for Peacock does not have the subscribers in order to do that, in order to 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 release Boss Baby on there for free or release F9 on there for free. And the same thing goes for Viacom CBS. They don't have they don't have that kind of room, but Disney does. And, and Disney has that money. Speaking of valuations uh, uh, at the top of the show, uh, that's it. Listen, this show's been going on for an hour and five minutes, and I only want to do 30, so 40 most. But we'll, this, this, is, this is something that's going to have to play out for at least the next year or so. Or, you know, in the, in the, coming, in the coming years because of, uh, which is the sequel to, uh, oh, God, uh, Growing Pains? What was I say? The coming years. It's a dirt. I'm, I'm trying to make a dirty joke about uh, Wonder Years. That's it. <laughs> I wonder what it's like to be my neighbor. <laughs> I mean, I'm quiet. I'm quiet. I'm <laughs> besides when I record this show or news time. But we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. 
uh, over the next five to ten years when streaming starts taking over and then everything becomes a bundle and then we all go back to cable to a, a cable like system again listen if you like what you heard here head to the website cpluscomedy.com where you can see me talk to comedians your favorite people i sent out an email to uh somebody who has an hbo show that's not a comedian uh that is airing tonight is bob costas i sent out an email to bob costas's people and uh they did not respond so <laughs> Look forward to not reading that interview or hearing that interview or watching that interview. Uh, you can, if you want to see a video version of the show, head to youtube.com slash C plus comedy where you can see me uh, in my decent lighting setup now. Horrible camera though. Also on youtube.com slash C plus comedy is our premiere show news time where we talk about uh, the latest news of the week. It's like the daily show, except way less funny. Take one new story and look at it very hard. Uh, the, this week's episode is about Comic-Con. It turned 50. And I forgot to mention that in the episode. I'm just now realizing <laughs> that's the reason why we did it. <sighs> it turned 50 last year, but this is the first year back. They were supposed to be back in person, so I just decided to do it anyway. Whatever. Who cares? Okay. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Comedy. At Chad Black White. Like us on Facebook, rate, review, subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcast. Tell friends about it, please. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>